When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. And if you can take the knowledge that you're learning and implement it and then show the person that you learned it from that you're actually implementing that knowledge, you know, the doors that open up because you are shown, you're showing people that you listen and not just listen, but you take action is where people reach out. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? <laughs> We're back for another episode of Dreamcatchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I have the pleasure of having Chip Hopper in with me today. Chip, how are you? Amazing. I am so excited to be here. So excited for this conversation today. Look, I, I'm looking at your tagline here and you're the book Jedi. So, I mean, we're going to have to unpack that. But for the listeners, we do things a little different here. They're going to love what you have to say. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. The, the best places to get in touch with me are through the website, through uh, chiphopper.com or bookjedi.com or either of those handles on on just about any social media platform so the book jedi so i i'm going there right away what in the world is a book jedi all right i'm gonna have to give a little bit of a long answer for this one but i've always been a big reader right when i was young my mom used to pay me to read 100 books every summer and so she would give me these rewards and i'd have a chart on the fridge and things but when I became a teenager and as I moved into my own space, I really enjoyed reading. And about 20 years ago, I started tracking all of the books I was reading. And after about a decade of doing that, I looked back and realized that I've been reading on average a book a week. And I am now at 20 years of tracking of reading a book a week. And so when I started looking at that, one of the things that I was doing was every time I read a book in personal development, that I enjoyed, I would reach out to the author and I would say, and this is before internet and before like, you know, this is like before email and, and all those things. And I would reach out and I would say, you know, I love this book. I love this concept in the book and this is how it's changed my life. 
and I was amazed at the number of authors that actually responded to me. And because of that, I ended up growing this network of the biggest names in personal development are some of my closest friends in, in my, you know, my phone and I, and we talk all the time. And it turned into this network of relationships with authors and speakers that I would go and I would work with them, even as I was kind of in the corporate America world, right? And in about, I don't remember what it was, in about 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, I, I, don't, I haven't mapped this out at all, and I'm really bad at dates, so don't, don't hold me to that. But I started thinking, like, I should do more with what I was doing in the personal development space. And what I wanted to do is I believe that one of the best places for learning empathy and, and all types of things is in books. Like it's hard to get as close to a person's thoughts as when you read their words in a book. And I wanted to be able to share that with people. And I came up with these summer concepts for a company name. And, and I started talking to people about it. And I said, what if it were a book Jedi? Because you learn these things from the books and you learn about the books and book Jedi actually stands for a books. So it's, the journey and evolution, disruption, and impact of a book, right? And so when I talk to authors about this on my own podcast, I, I talk to them and I say, look, what led you to write the book? How has it changed your life? What's the impact it's had on your life? How is it, you know, and, and all these things. And so that's the discussion that we have around books. But what happened when I, I launched this name, everybody's like, I love the name Book Jedi, right? And they all loved it. And, and so I launched it as this is what I want people to be able to become is these book Jedis, that they understand the concepts of these books so that they can live the best life for themselves, their best version of themselves. And, you know, this sounds silly now, but at the time it was not a name for myself, right? It was what I wanted for other people. But as soon as I launched it, everybody started calling me the book Jedi. And for a while, I pushed back kind of like, you know, I don't know if you know the story of Kevin Bacon and the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but he didn't like that for a long time. And he felt like it was kind of a, a slight, right? But then when he finally embraced it and took that and ran with it, it became something that, that he's been able to do a lot of good with around giving and other things. So I embraced the book Jedi name and I've kind of just run with that. And, you know, that's led to putting some of the biggest names in personal development on the biggest stages. It's working with some of the biggest names and, you know, New York Times bestsellers that I write books with. I do a lot of ghostwriting and editing for some really big names. And, you know, that's just kind of moved into this space of really loving, helping people find the right books for them and the right relationships and connections. And now my focus is helping people share their stories because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is Thoreau's quote of saying like most men and I, I change it to people but most people live lives of quiet desperation and die with their songs still inside and I don't believe it has to be that way anymore I believe we can change that now with technology and with the relationships that we have so it's kind of a little bit background on book Jedi <laughs> that's amazing and so you're teasing us right you like the biggest names the craziest network we talk every day we're friends like people are like well all right, a book a week. How does this guy make money? Right. So because being in the network creates some opportunities, but how does your path and you got to tell me how you left corporate because I feel like you left corporate, too. So, like, give me the journey and the evolution that turned into the business that you run today. Wow, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> Come on. There's not that many twists and turns and you're a great storyteller. So there are uh, significant twists and turns, right? Like by the time I was 30 years old, I had worked at over 30 companies. 
the, the longest tenure I had at any company when I was 30 was 18 months. And I had many jobs that I worked for only a few months and, and moved to a new job. And, you know, when I was in college, I went through 10 majors in college because I was like, well, this isn't, yeah, this isn't a fit. This isn't my passion. This isn't where I am. And, you know, looking back, there's so much clarity that wasn't there going through the process. But from a very young age, I have loved the human body. Uh, when I was five, my dad was in medical school and he would take me to the cadaver lab and he would put me up on the table as, a, as he dissected bodies. And I fell in love with the human body. And, you know, this is something that people are like, what? <laughs> you know, this, is, this is one of those things that just doesn't sound like normal today. But it was such a beautiful thing to learn the muscles and, and the way the body worked. And as I moved into being a teenager, I loved the way the brain worked and the way we thought. And in college, that turned into this, you know, through a, a journey of, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a programmer? Do I want to be, you know, I went through all these different things and I ended up pioneering the animation program at Brigham Young University. So we built one of the best animation programs in the nation. And I actually helped build that and worked with the big studios like DreamWorks and, and other studios. We brought in all the equipment. And what I loved about animation was taking inanimate objects and giving them life and personality and sharing their story, right? And, you know, jumping all the way to the end, that piece, those pieces are what drive me now in helping bring to life people that are already living, right? And so it shifted out of that space. But when I graduated from college, I didn't go into animation because I immediately got a job as a financial planner. And I was way, making way too much money to go into animation. <laughs> and so I, I, I stayed as a financial planner. I worked as a financial planner through the, the dot-com uh, burst in 2000 and realized that I didn't like holding people's money and telling them you know, what investments to be in. And so I, I moved through all these different careers. Actually, I was working with Stephen Covey in the late 90s and early 2000s as well and, and would travel with him and loved being in that personal development space, right? But then uh, September or September 11th happened and I ended up in a space where, you know, all the companies that I was, that were pursuing me to work for me all kind of stopped looking because of September 11th. And I was sitting there and I'm like, well, what should I do? Well, maybe I'll go back to do animation because that's what I was wanting to do, right? So I got a job working for an animation studio, a game development studio, actually. And I worked on games like Legends of Wrestling 2 and BMX X and Turok Dinosaur Hunter. And I realized that I hated it. <laughs> no! What I hated about it was that you would go into the space and many of everybody was in cubicles and they would put blankets even over their cubicles to keep it dark and be focused on their computer. And I'm like, I am a people person. <laughs> I want to be having conversations. I want to be out talking with people. And so I ended up leaving that and, and you know, jumping through a bunch of other jobs, including I ran a Walmart store and I, and I was an optician where I, you know, like one or two, what do you see better? And I like, literally I went through like so many jobs and so many different careers trying to figure out where I wanted to be. And, you know, during this time I had already started reading, right? And I ended up with this really cool company when I was getting my MBA program. I met the, the founder's sons and they you know, tried to recruit me for like a year and finally got me to come over. 
And I ended up spending 11 years at this company. So I went from no job longer than 18 months to spending 11 years at the company and helped lead that company from 25 million to 2.2 billion. Whoa, whoa, say those numbers again. (laughs) So when I joined, we were about 25 million a year. And when I left, we were about 2.2 billion a year. And, you know, so we really grew with just substantial growth every year. And so my involvement in trying to figure out systems and processes and work through all these different things and grow people and leaders and, and different things, I really honed my skills on all of those areas. And I remember uh, this was 2016, I believe. I remember I was sitting in my office and I had a, an office on the top floor that overlooked the, the whole valley. And, you know, we're here in Utah. And so we've got some beautiful mountains and beautiful lakes and things. And my office was it cantilevered out. So it was floor to ceiling windows and it hung out over the edge of the building and it had windows on both walls. And so I could have, I had a 180 view of the valley. Like I could see the mountains on this side. I could watch the sunrise and I could watch the sunset all from my office. And I often did because I was working so many hours. (laughs) And what I realized was what gave me joy wasn't the work I was doing, what gave me joy was the people that I was developing as I was doing the work. You know, I grew huge teams and, and I had people like I was known as the guy that people would come and I'd bring them in as talent. I'd develop them and then put them in the right place in the company. So the whole company was a network of people that I had brought in, right? you know, over, over the years of being there. And so, you know, I decided to, to make this shift to move over to really focus specifically on helping people develop. And that's where I really formalized things around Book Jedi and really started working specifically in that space. So that brings me, and I given a super long answer, so I apologize. <laughs> I think they're great stories. <laughs> Personally, I'm fascinated. But that brings me to like, how do I make money in this, right? So I moved into the space of, okay, I want to help these people. And the traditional model working in personal development is always ends up upstream right? It's very hard to become super, you know, make a lot of income by going downstream. And what I mean by that is when you're talking people's income levels and you're working with people, the people where you can make money are the people that have money, right? And so you get into the space and you're like, okay, well, I can't sell a $5 course anymore. I've got to sell a $10,000 coaching package or I've got to do this. And, And for me, that wasn't answering the call, right? I had spent a lot of time doing consulting. Like I, I was, I've been a consultant for most of my career on the side of, of helping people build businesses. I come in and I, and I take companies and I, and I get them off the ground, launched so many companies. And I love that part of it. But where I made money as a consultant was most of my money came from the big companies and the executive teams would say, hey, come in and help us. They'd pay me a big paycheck. I'd move the needle a little bit for them, which, you know, which is a huge chunk in a big company, but it's, but when you go from, you know, moving the needle from 2 billion to 2.1 billion or 2.2, like that starts to become a smaller, you know, number on a, on a scale where if you were a startup company, you'd be like, Woo-hoo! <laughs> you know, but I realized that I wanted to figure out a way to make it so everybody could learn and grow. And book Jedi kind of builds around that. And my, you know, I've got, a company disrupt normal as well, because I believe that we are too often stuck in our patterns of seeing the world the way that we've just always seen it, believing that society is the way it's always been. And I don't think that's the, that needs to be the case, right? I think that we need to look at everything we're doing and go, why do we do it this way? 
and always be looking at why are we doing it this way and is this the best way? So my concept that I came up with, and you know, I know I'm not, it's nothing new, but it's this way of using, being able to contribute your time when you don't have money. So time is the one resource that we all have. And, you know, what I started doing is I would work with people and I would say, look, you can either pay with money currency or you can pay with time currency. And, and there are multiple different ways we can pay with currency, right? And, and so it's where we're focused on what we're doing. And anyway, that's kind of how it evolved. I can dig more into some of the things I'm doing right now. Some of the things I was doing before COVID, obviously the pandemic completely shifted my model. My primary income before the pandemic was putting people on stages. And obviously that, that shifted <laughs> with the pandemic. So I've been going through my own evolution for, you know, most of my life. So, well, that's clear. 30 companies and before <laughs> you're 30, I mean, we're talking about you went to college. So, I mean, yeah. on the top side, I mean, that's eight years. What's really cool though, is well, you made so, money. So I count, I count like uh, when I was 10, I had uh, a paper route. Right. And so I, I count those as jobs that I was not working for my family. I was working for someone else and making an income from them. So, so I did like throughout my whole life, I, you know, I worked in the back country of Yellowstone as a youth leading groups through the back country of Yellowstone on high adventure treks for week long treks. And so I, I got paid for a lot of different types of work. So I count all those. So anyway, as you should, I was just trying to condense it to make it sound more sensationalized, but that's fine. You took the fire out of my little storm there. Look, so what's really interesting, though, is you said you're being paid really well as somebody in financial services, which doesn't happen unless you got a book of business. And so yeah. what's been kind of consistent or congruent through this story is you've been a people person and currency is created through relationships with other people. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Strings Finder, but it's uh, one of the, it's an assessment and I am a huge fan of assessments, but on Strings Finder, it kind of looks at what are your top strengths and what actually moves you. And I didn't take Strings Finder until a couple of years ago, but it very much connected with my life. And my top two strengths are in relationships and in learning. And so I think it's connectedness and learner are the actual titles of the strengths, right? And I'm like, well, duh, <laughs> right? Like I, I loved it. I love to read. I love to learn. And I love relationships to me. And this is one of my soapboxes, so I won't stand on it long, but the education system, I think we are too focused on trying to give the right training to people when what we need to be doing is opening the right relationship doors for them. So we can go in and we can learn something and you can learn how to be like the best influencer in the world, but it's not going to like move unless you have the connections and the relationships and the different things to make it move. And I, I don't mean that it won't move, but like the speed to the next level is directly tied to your access to the people that have done what you want to do. Right. And so if you want to do something, the best way to get there is to find someone who has done exactly what you want to do and be honest about where you are on the roadmap and where they are on the roadmap and then chart it out. One of my favorite sayings is that, you know, GPS can't help you get somewhere if you're not honest with where you are or where you want to go. 
and most people get stuck in the part of not being honest with where they are. So they'll have this vision of where they want to be, but they won't be honest about where they are and what it's going to take to move there. That's the only way you can make progress, man, is the honesty. And most of the time you can't see the label on the jar. So you need somebody to yeah. come in and give you an assessment because your perspective is very different from what those outside of you may be seeing yeah. or thinking. It's not a uh, coincidence that the biggest CEOs and things, uh, especially like in Silicon Valley, they all have mentors and coaches. You know, some of the people that people all around the world look to and say, oh, I need to follow this guy. Well, that guy has somebody that's looking at him outside of his jar and that guy or gal, right? So let's go down that path, right? So I've got this model and there's six levels and the first one, self-image. And we talked about how you created yours. And then the next one is relationships. And so when you're going through all this transition, you're going through all this seeking and finding, was there anybody who showed up along the way to help you figure it out? Yeah, I love that question. You know, my entire life, I have looked to others to say, what are they doing? How are they doing it well? And and what can I learn from them? And so I have, when people say, who was your biggest mentor? I'm like, wow, I don't even know who my biggest mentor was because there has been such power in so many different relationships. It's to me, it comes in, it's like, well, what's my favorite book or my favorite movie? <laughs> right? Like I've got a list of like 15 or 20, you know, obviously both my parents were hugely influential for me. I love my parents. You know, obviously we all have flaws. We all do things that we look back and we do differently. And I've found some things recently where I'm like, Oh, wow. I got that from my childhood. Right. But even then I'm like, I still like, I'm so grateful for the mom I had so grateful for the dad I have and, and, and I love them. And so they were huge mentors for me. I was the oldest of eight children. So when I was 10, I was the oldest of six. And so from a very young age, I was put in that spot of both being a learner and a teacher. And I think that's such a powerful way to move through life is being that learner and the teacher and being able to step back and forth between them. You know, my cousin is the, the chief of AI at Google. And I remember when he started at Google, when there were like 50 employees <laughs> and, you know, him telling me about the company and things. And, and I look back, I'm like, well, that was a move I could have made differently. But one of the reasons I bring him up is because I have loved the way that Google plays in that space of the student teacher, right? So you, you're on teams and you can move up and back as the leader when, when it makes sense. And so that to me has been a hugely powerful concept with relationships and mentors. When I think of some of my biggest mentors, I think of both people that I know personally and people that I have only read their words. You know, for example, Ray Dalio is a big mentor of mine and I've never worked with him personally. Stephen Kotler is a mentor of mine in a lot of ways and we work very closely. I've worked on his last couple of books with him and uh, we're really good friends. And so, so it's, there's this whole spectrum of what can you learn? Who can you learn it from? And I realized a few years ago that I was not focusing my mentor learning. And what I mean by that is I was just accepting any good pieces that came in, which is fantastic, right? And you can learn and you can grow that way. But as I was looking at it, I'm like, wow, I need to, if I want to do these specific things, then I need to focus my mentoring or being mentored in those specific areas as well. And so I've become very like, uh, very focused on who I listen to as a mentor and who I work with as a mentor. 
So anyway, I don't know if that answers your question at all. I'm being a little vague intentionally, but. <laughs> no, it absolutely does. See, the thing is, some of us feel like we have to sit down with a person in order to learn from them. And that's not true. And the other piece of it, though, is there is real value in sitting down with these people who are thought leaders and creators. And to be able to get the mix, if you can't get access to a person, read the book. And then potentially one day something may work out where you do end up with access to them and the ability to talk about their work in depth is going to set you apart from everybody else. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. And I'll, I'll throw out this little nugget that has changed my life on more times than I can count. And that is, it has to do with the way we, we are as humans, right? So we all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. And if you can take the knowledge that you're learning and implement it and then show the person that you learned it from, that you're actually implementing that knowledge, you know, the doors that open up because you are shown, you're showing people that you listen and not just listen, but you take action is where people reach out. I can't, I was sitting in a conversation a few years ago and somebody said, they were talking to this large group and they're like, Hey, does anybody here know a billionaire? (laughs) Right. And I'm like, well, I do. I didn't say this out loud, right? I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, I do. Well, I know, I know more than one. And I, and I started thinking through it and I got to like 15 billionaires that I know personally. And I said, wow, that's crazy because, you know, and then I looked at those relationships and I'm like, all of these people are genuine good people that want to help other people. And I started to analyze, well, what's the, why are, why are there so many people saying, well, I need access to a millionaire or a billionaire and they're not being able to get it because I've got this network of people that, you know, when I talk about millionaires, it's like, you know, I could go on like all day. And what I realized, and I built a thing that I do with this, but I will put tape on a floor in the shape of a V and I will put two people together at the point of the V with their hands pushed together and then have them walk down the V pushing their hands together. And so they have to lean more and more into each other as they go down the speed to keep their feet outside the lines of the tape and to still not fall over. And what, what you find is that the bigger person pushes less than the smaller person. So the small, the, the bigger the difference in ratio, the, the more the smaller person has to lean in to keep balance in that relationship. And I started to see that in business. So these billionaires would be reaching out their hands to help somebody, but in essence, they are the larger person in that relationship. So the smaller person has to lean in significantly harder into the relationship to keep balance in it, which means that, you know, a billionaire who wants to reach out their hand, they can't just reach out their hand to anybody because they'll stumble on their own path if somebody's not pushing back and and pouring into that at an even deeper level. So yeah, that kind of turned into like, okay, how do I move to the relationships that I want? And, it, and how do I get at the tables I want to be at? 
which is what it's all about, right? If you want to, if you want to be successful, you got to be at the table and you got to do anything it takes to be at that table, whether you're doing serving the water or whether you're paying to have a seat at the table. Sometimes people are like, wow, how do you have so many of these relationships? And it's true. Like I have a lot of relationships that just came because of genuine connection, but I have some connections that have become genuine connections because I paid to be at the table <laughs> or I went in and I volunteered or like, like, like 15 years ago, I would go to events as a volunteer and I would get to work backstage and I would get to meet some of these amazing speakers, but I was just a volunteer, right? I was a volunteer helping out, not getting paid a penny, but I formed these relationships with it. And so, you know, it's do whatever you need to get in that room. Everybody is accessible. Everybody wants to have connection. These are things that we all want, right? And it's just finding out where their needs are and how you can help them. And if you can describe a person's problems better than they can, they will believe that you have the answer for them. So that's amazing. That's it's so amazing because in our model, we do an assessment with the relationships. And the first one is, is a relationship mutually beneficial? We ask that question, right? And it's kind of what you're describing. If it's not mutually beneficial, then by definition, the relationship is toxic, is detrimental to the people that are involved in it. So then it's okay, if it's not mutually beneficial, can it be reframed so that it is? And if it can, then we set boundaries and create an environment where there's mutual exchange. If it can't be reframed, then you need to sever the relationship because that's a parasite. That's a virus. That's, you know, the first word that came to mind. I love that you're using that model, you know, the parasite versus the symbiotic relationship, right? And that's beautiful. That's just amazing. But mutual benefit doesn't mean that it's equal or balanced. And if you think of any relationship, at no point is it completely balanced. At some point, you have to be willing to do 100% and let the other person do zero, but it can swing back the other way and it should swing kind of free flowing depending on what's going on in each individual's life. So I, I just think that's a phenomenal example. I've never heard of the walking down the V thing. It, it can really teach people that, you know, you got to lean in and what you're bringing in at that point, your talents or your treasures or your capacity is really an indication of like how much work you have to do to be in that relationship. So let's transition a little bit and go into work. And so like we've spent a lot of time talking about what you've done over the course of your career, but there was a point where you said, I'm going to go do my own thing. And so what was it that, that called you out? Cause I call this the red pill moment where you, you get the opportunity to live in that truth and hunt and secure your own wellness and well-being. Yeah. You know, there's so many factors that go into this and I, and I need to do a better job at, at bringing this to a specific story. And I've always loved the, the red pill. You know, I'm a huge fan of the matrix. It's one of my top 10 favorite movies. And, you know, because I, I love to look at future movies of what, what can we learn from the things that we're thinking of from science fiction. But my transition really was, so much of it was around the learning that I had done from books. But the other part of it was, you know, I realized again, when I was sitting in that, in my office, that my whole life had been this desire to be a good dad, to be a good partner, to spend time with my kids and and to do these different things. And I realized that I was trading what I actually wanted for the things that I thought would get me what I wanted. And what I mean by that is I was working you know, 12 to to 16 hour days, 
for this corporation and the, the chances of moving up the ladder at a corporation, everybody, everybody's like, oh, I don't like network marketing. It's a pyramid scheme, right? I'm like, do you work in, a, in corporate America, right? How many people are employees? How many people are managers? How many people are directors? How many people are vice presidents? And how many people are CEOs, right? It's a pyramid and your opportunity to move up in that pyramid is limited, right? And so you get to the top of a company and you have your pay and that's it, right? You get a small raise every year and you are expected to do more and more and you're feeding the beast and, and you know, you get like, right? You get stock options, you get all these different things that kind of keep you there and, and lure you to stay there. And I was doing really well, but, but what I realized was I was not spending time with my kids. So I felt that I had built this ladder on these beliefs and values, but I had built it on the wrong wall. And I wanted to shift my life to be able to control the hours that I was spending where I was spending them. And, you know, obviously starting your own company is not the easiest way to get more free time. <laughs> it's right? the exact opposite. It's the opposite. But at the same time, it allowed me the flexibility to choose, right? So when my you know son's game would come up or things like that, I could make I could shift my schedule to accommodate those times. And, you know, I started measuring not in quantity, but in quality, right? And I think so often we get caught up in this idea of quantity of time. Like we're sitting in the same house with our kids. So we're home with our kids, right? When in reality, if we can have focused quality time with them, then we have more time for all of the things that we need. And so I intentionally look at my schedule and I say, okay, what is my quality focus right now? And people are like, well, do you watch TV? Yeah, I do. I read fantasy books. I watch TV shows with my partner. I, I do all of these different things too, that, that people are like, well, that's not like moving you forward. That's not doing this. But for me, like if I can have intention about why I'm doing it, then it is part of that harmony of life. And, you know, you mentioned the word balance and balance is one of those words that I'm not a big fan of balance because if you think about like walking is continually being out of balance, right? And so when you're seeking balance in your life, there's no way you're, you're not moving if you're in balance. So I like to use the word harmony because in harmony, you can still be moving. You can still be out of balance, but your life is still flowing in the way it wants. And, you know, it comes to looking at your calendar and comparing what you're actually doing with your time with what your visions and values are. And if you're feeling in dissonance with yourself, or if you're feeling depressed, or you're feeling all these things that feel out of alignment, the first place I always send people is look at what you're doing with what you desire, right? So if your actions today are not in alignment with what you desire, then of course, you're not going to feel like in alignment, <laughs> right? Anyway, I totally went off, off the topic there. Let's hop back to um, moving into the space of building your own business. When you're building your own business, and you know there are a number of ways that we can talk about this, right? One of the biggest things that you need is you need income. And I see too often people focus on trying to have, that they get a vision of what they want to give, right? And they spend all their time trying to build what it is they want to give. And where we fail, they're the two of the biggest places that we fail are we don't have the right systems and processes in place and we don't have leads, right? If you don't have leads, then you're not going to be able to get anybody to buy your product. And it doesn't matter how good your product is. And too often people come in with this idea of, 
I need to write the best book. I need to do the best course. I need to have the best thing because then people will want it. It's like, no, you, what you need is you need eyeballs on whatever it is you're doing. Right. And, and I spent many, many years in a space of, I'm very good at connecting. Right. I'm very good at making relationships, but I had this aha moment one day when I left a meeting or when I left a networking event and several people had said, how do I get in contact with you? How do I stay up to date on what you're doing? And I, I remember I walked out to my car and I'm like, Chip, no one, you know, it doesn't matter how much people love you. No one can buy from you if you're not clear on what you're offering and if you don't have something to sell, right? And, and so having the clarity of what you want to give became much more important than what you're actually like trying to build around this offer. And so I can go into a situation now and talk to somebody and they can, and I can use questions to pull out where they are and what they need. And if there are pieces that align with what I want to build, then I'm like, I can take this monkey off your back. Right. And if there are parts that I can connect them to someone else then I do. And my work now is very much collaborative and joint venture. I've had the things where I've had lots of employees. I don't like that. Right. Me I'm either, like, man. I'm me like, either. I'm like, how many employees do you have? Not just me. <laughs> right. But I have relationships with everybody that can do all the pieces for me. And if I can look at it in the mode of, look, the rising tide lifts all ships. So let's all partner in our expertise. I grew up in an era where the, the real concept was, hey, find your weaknesses and build those up so that you your weaknesses are not weak anymore. I'm like, and, and at the time I was like, okay, that's great. But now I look at it, I'm like, what? So I can be average in everything, <laughs> right? Like, you know, so building up your weaknesses to get up to average doesn't benefit you in moving your life to a new space. Now, being aware of your weaknesses and knowing that you have them is critical, right? Because if you're living a life where you're not dealing with your weaknesses, then you're going to really struggle. But that doesn't mean that you have to make those weaknesses strong. You just have to have relationships that strengthen those, those spots of weakness so that you can be a superstar in the areas where you're a superstar. And so for me, when I talk about joint ventures, it's about filling the gaps for my weaknesses. Follow-up is a huge weakness of mine. Right? I, I don't follow up. And we talked about this earlier. I have a lot of people that want me on their podcast and I don't end up doing a lot of them because I don't follow up. Right. And if they're not persistent in following up, it falls off my plate because I've got plenty of stuff I'm doing. Right. So anyway, we're so glad we got you. We got you. though. <laughs> we got you here. This is amazing, man. And it's, you know, I've never actually seen somebody kind of go off on the tangent and then remember the point that they started on and come back to it and address the point directly. So it goes to show how much intellectual horsepower you have because it's really difficult once you go on that train to get off the train and come back to it. So this is phenomenal, man. I want to speak to that point for one second. So I am, well, I'm not even going to say it because that that's, goes against what I'm trying to teach here. So one of the things that we don't realize is the power of our brain, right? And I used to walk into a room and I, you know, I still do this sometimes, but I would walk into a room and I'm like, I can't remember what I wanted. Or I'd have a thought and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that thought just left me. It's never going to come back. It's gone. And I shifted my mindset to say, oh, I just had a thought. It left. That's okay. It's coming back. And when I can step into that belief, it does. And it comes back. And to me, that's the same thing with, with interview questions. So 
you know, the, the number one thing that I would tell people is your brain has more power than you give it credit. And if you want to change your life, change the way you look at things and you'll have a different life. And that's part of why I, you know, I helped to make a movie called Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. We did a book with the same name, but yeah, perception is huge. And so much so that my youngest, he's always like, perception, perception, perception. Because <laughs> we talk about it a lot, right? So anyway, that was a tangent there, but loved your comment about the brain. And that's a learned skill, right? And it's something that is learned by the belief that my brain has that capacity because it does. All right. So we'll go to the final four here. Ready? <laughs> Ready. I'll go quick. I'll, I'll make them short. <laughs> All right. First one is what are you most grateful for? I am most grateful for the relationships in my life. And the most powerful relationship I've had in my life is my current partner, Brooke. Uh, she has a clarity to be able to see things in ways that every day it amazes me. And her desire for growth is so powerful. And one of the things that I love most about her, I am so grateful for her ability to see me from outside of my HR and the insight that it's given me to be able to help me grow into the person I want to be. Beautiful. Make sure she hears this part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what dream are you most focused on catching next? So I'm very focused on masterminds right now and bringing the right groups together. And again, this is on the energy topic that we talked about. When I build masterminds, I build masterminds around the energy of the people. And to me, the best mastermind is not one where people say, oh, I went to Chip's mastermind and Chip's amazing. But when I hear people say, you need to go to Chip's mastermind because I met this other person at Chip's mastermind and we did millions of dollars and made huge impact together. So the masterminds that I'm doing right now are, are really probably the thing that's driving me the most and being able to build those in a way that are inclusive. So they are built with high-end ticket models, but they allow the flexibility for people that don't have the money to again trade different things like time and things to get into those spaces. Because you know, I want the people in the spaces that want to be there and they're gonna push and drive to be there. So that, that's what I'm most driven by right now is giving people those tools to tell their stories. And the masterminds that I'm doing are around helping people tell their story, right? And you know, when, once we realize, like, I think most people forget this, we are all in sales, every one of us. So the sooner you can realize that you're in sales, the sooner you can move your life to where you want it to be. And the power of relationships comes in the stories that we tell both to ourselves and to the people that we're with. And what I help people do is pull out their stories. We all have them. We all have significant stories that put us in the spot where we are. You know, they're your red pill stories, whatever you want to call them, that moved you from point A to point B. And the better you can tell those stories, the more you're going to get people to either pull towards you or move away from you. Too often people think, I want everybody to like me. Well, that's bullcrap. <laughs> you don't want everybody to like you. Because if everybody likes you, then everybody's neutral. And, you know, so my kids, like my daughter has, I think, 40,000 followers on TikTok. And, and I taught her at a young age that high five the haters, you know, so we high five when she gets hate, because what that means is that if she's pushing someone from her, it means she's also pulling people towards her. 
And that's the way you make movement. That's the way you make things happen is you get people to move. You don't want everybody to move towards you. You want the right people to move towards you. And, and then that's going to, that's going to move it. So helping people tell their stories is a huge passion of mine. And I do that through masterminds. Wow. I'm sticking to the four. All right. So number three, what gift were you giving the world? The gift that I love to give and that I'm giving the world is helping people see things differently. You know, we get so stuck in this is the way it is. So this must be the right way that we often forget what's possible. And when I can help people disrupt their own thought patterns and disrupt where they are and realize something different is possible than what they're living to me, that is one of the biggest gifts that we can receive. Disruption. The pattern interrupt. Okay, here we are. Now nah, I'm not going to do that yet. Chip, you are absolutely positively a dream catcher, brother. I just appreciate your authenticity, your desire to make a positive impact in a world, and the intentionality around being inclusive. I think a lot of folks don't care. They run to where the money is and everybody else, you got to get yours because I got mine. And you're saying, yeah, there's another model. There's another way. And we can serve multiple groups. And with the right investment, with the person who has the appropriate desire, one day, too, they'll be able to transcend whatever socioeconomic status they have and become a real contributor because they have the right energy, the right spirit, and the right approach to life. So thank you so much for you know, disrupting the industry and doing things a little counterintuitive to what most people would teach others to do. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Thank you for letting me share on here. I feel like I've learned a ton from you today and I uh, look forward to future conversations. Would love to still dig back into energy that we were talking about before, before the podcast. And, uh, and maybe we'll have to do this again. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll get you on my podcast and we can talk energy. <laughs> oh, man, that would be phenomenal. And now for the final question, Chet, what's the one thing you want listeners to take away from this episode? It's in you. You are enough. You have the gifts you need to live the life by design that you want. You already have them. And it is possible. It's not only possible, it's fully realizable. Is that a word? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> to, to have the life that you want, right? And, you know, look at where you are and what you're doing and figure out what you want to be different and make it happen and find the, find the right people and the right connections to make it happen. And one of those ways is listening to this podcast. Like, you know, I've listened to several of these Dreamcatcher podcasts and they're phenomenal. So Jerome, you're laying out the, you're laying out the tools that people need and the insights that they need to, to live the lives that they want. So, yeah. I need to cut that and put it on my promo wheel with Chip Hopper's face there, baby. We are going to wrap this one up. Chip, thanks again for being so generous with your time and your wisdom. It's very evident that I, I don't even know how to multiply 20 times 52 and because you're doing a book a week and the people that you're putting together in Masterminds, you, you sir, are truly a scholar. And I, I think you can help a ton of people shorten that learning curve that they're going to have to go down to monetize these gifts that exist within them to the listeners the tribe is with you we'll talk soon thank you for joining the tribe today we would love to hear from you please don't forget to rate like and share perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed until the next time remember that your dreams should be real